Hey, and welcome to the teaching podcast of Calvary Chapel, Newcastle. At Cows, we like to keep things simple. We are committed to verse-by-verse teaching through the Bible to help people know, love, and become fully committed followers of Jesus. It is our prayer and hope that this message challenges, encourages, and equips you to that end. So to the ends of the earth, that's been our theme. And I've just sort of added to that today a little bit to the theme. And so today is the cost, the cost of going to the ends of the earth, the cost, the sacrifice, what it takes to go and get the gospel out, the good news out to the ends of the earth. So as the narrative of the early church continues and expands, so sorry, backing up. By the way, we started in the book of Acts maybe three, four months ago, longer. Anyway, so we've been going through it and we're up to chapter 5 today, 17 to 42. And uh, it's been uh, just a real... uh, You're always learning. I've been a believer for 30-something years, but I'm just learning all the time from God's Word. Uh, It's never empty of giving us advice, help, counsel, spiritual truth. And as we learn about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, who guides us into truth, he never gives up. He's always there willing to teach us. So, yep, so as we go through the book of Acts, uh, we are seeing the apostles becoming bolder and bolder in their witness for Christ. Why? Because the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is now indwelling them. And we know this uh, because Christ himself told the disciples Uh, before he went up to be with his father, that he would give them the Spirit of God, um, the Holy Spirit. So in John 14, uh, 15 to 18, it says this, or Jesus says this to his disciples, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that's the Spirit of God, that he may abide. This really struck me as I read it that he will abide in you forever. That was one of our songs up there today, wasn't it, as well? The Spirit of God that will abide in you forever, the Spirit of truth whom the world, those that don't believe, cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him. Those that have believed, you know him, for he dwells in you and he will be with you and he will not leave you an orphan. I will come to you, he says. And then in Acts 1.8, before he he was taken up in the cloud to to go back to heaven, he says to his followers, to his disciples in Acts 1.8, but you shall receive what? Power. You shall receive power when the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea, and Samaria, and where our theme comes from, what? To the ends of the earth. To the ends of the earth. So what's the cost? What's the cost of going to the ends of the earth? Okay, so there's no doubt from what we have studied and read so far in the scriptures that the Holy Spirit has come upon the apostles. And again, we've observed this through their boldness, through them speaking in other languages, healings, miracles, the coming together and the collaboration of the believers. 
and then you see them with a clearer understanding of the, of the Word of God as they are putting it into practice as the Holy Spirit is teaching them. And this again confirms, is confirmed by what Jesus said in John 16, 13. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. It's no different for us today. We probably could all give testimony of how we've been in situations, either sharing the gospel with somebody or uh, sharing a word in season, that the Spirit of God has come upon us and he guides us into truth. And then it continues on to say, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. And then in John 16, 8, it says, and when he has come, that's the Spirit of God, he will convict the world of what? Sin and of righteousness and of judgment. He guides, he reveals truth. And that's the confidence we have as believers of the Spirit of God indwelling us. No, it was, yes, it was all new then for the disciples because Jesus had gone and he promises the Spirit of God. But, and then you see them um, working out and, and trusting in the Spirit of God and growing. And it's the same for us when we become believers. We see the Spirit of God as we believe. He, he indwells us and he guides us into all truth. He will not guide us into a lie. He will not guide us into deception if we're following him. So verses 17 and 18 in Acts 5 here, uh, the religious leaders are once again just baffled by these ordinary men and, um, and how articulate they are, how they have taught and proclaimed the name of Jesus. And not only that, but by their witnessing, by their like-mindedness, by their unity, and again by their boldness, by the miracles that they have done. And the religious leaders now are just like, what do we do with these guys? They've already been in jail once. They've gotten out. Uh, we let them go. But the evidence and the facts that Jesus was and is the Messiah is stacking up against these religious leaders. And sadly, they're missing the boat. They're blind. They're spiritually blind. They can't see the truth. They don't have the Holy Spirit to guide them in that because their hearts are hard. Spirit of God is not indwelling them yet. But we'll get into that in chapter 6 as well when we hear about some of the religious leaders um, for, uh, growing in their faith and understanding who the Messiah is. So but at this point in time, the religious leaders, their jealousy, their envy are once again just gripping their hearts. And the only way they seem to know how to deal with this is anger, revenge, violence and you know what even that's not working because the church is growing at this time they tried that approach when jesus was on earth they they led him to the cross they nailed him there they they spoke against him they did everything possible to get rid of jesus and they thought yep we're one he's dead on the cross but what happened he rose again the third day and now he's seated at the right hand of the father and then the apostles are out there now, spreading the word, the spirit of God in them. So jealousy and envy, just bringing anger and revenge, it's not working for them. God is at work. God, there's a bigger picture out there. 
That's the evidence of God's promised Holy Spirit indwelling the apostles and the early believers cannot be denied. The unity that we talked about before, the work of the triune God is proving itself, just like it did in creation, just like it did in the flood, just like it did in the Tower of Babel and so forth. As we go through the Old Testament, we see the triune God working together to see people to come to know him, to restore that relationship that was broken back in the Garden of Eden to see men and women, boys and girls, come to know who Christ is, the Saviour. So now because of the boldness, the witness going out there, persecution. Persecution is starting for the way, the church, the followers of Jesus. It's begun and it continues to increase. And as we go through the book of Acts, you'll see it increase more and more and more. And even unto death, even unto death of many folks of the way, um, and it continues, it continues up until this very day. There are people dying for their faith today. There are people giving their lives for the gospel today. Out there, we're not, we're not facing that, are we? We don't know what it's like. Uh, every time I, I head back to, to Southern Africa, I'm just confronted with stories. Here we go. Weeping prophet. Uh, the, the stories of, of people that have come out of Islam and that have come to know Christ. But their, their testimonies, their stories, not like I'm not giving up. I'm not going to deny Christ. I'm going to keep going. So each time I go and then I come back, it's a challenge when you're in a society and a community like this where we're so protected. So church, we have so much to be thankful for. So, so much. So please, please don't let us forget to pray for the persecuted believers. To pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world that are giving their lives for the gospel. They've been abandoned daily. They've been ostracized, they've been neglected, they're losing their jobs, they can't go to school, they can't even buy groceries sometimes. They're having to leave their countries just for safety. This is happening right now. And it's interesting, um, we, we look at, in the book of Acts here, who are the main ones that are um, causing the persecution? It's religious leaders. And it's no different today. That's what's happening around the world. It's, it's religions. No relationship with God, although they say they believe in him, but it's religious leaders that are causing the persecution even today. So I know I've encouraged you before and I'll encourage you again. Please pray for the persecuted church. So much to pray for, isn't it? Zoe's place. There. Every, lots of things happening in our community around us. But don't forget to pray for the persecuted church. And if go to Open Doors on their website or to Voice of the Martyrs or download the app and just pray daily for, for, for a country and for our brothers and sisters there. And if you need help with that, uh, come and see me. So when we look at history, uh, the history of the apostles, the early church, yes, sometimes God came in and saved them 
by a miracle like we're going to read about in a minute. Uh, sometimes he did and sometimes he didn't. And then if we look through history, uh, we look at um, the, the apostles and how they gave their life. Fox's Book of Martyrs, have you heard that? Yeah, you can... It's got some horrific... That's not nighttime reading, okay? Bedtime reading. But Matthew was beheaded by a sword. Mark died in Alexandria after being dragged through the streets of the city. Uh, Luke was hung on an olive tree in Greece. John died a natural death, but they unsuccessfully tried to boil him in oil. Uh, Peter was crucified upside down in Rome. James was beheaded in Jerusalem. James the Less was thrown from a height and then beaten with clubs. Philip was hung. Bartholomew was whipped and beaten unto death. Andrew was crucified and preached at the top of his voice to the persecutors until he died. Thomas was run through with a spear. Um, Jude was killed with an arrow as, uh, from an executioner. Matthew was stoned and beheaded, so was Barnabas. And Paul was beheaded in Rome. So what's the cost? What's the cost of taking the gospel to the ends of the earth? Well, for these guys, it was the cost of what? Their life. It was the cost of their life. Did they die in vain? Did they? No, certainly not. They died so you and I can be sitting here today. They died so the gospel would, would be free, that it would go to every tongue, every tribe, every nation. The Lord desires us. The Lord desires us to live out this life, this salvation that is so rich and free. He wants us to live it out in our workplaces, in our families, in our daily, daily life. So the question is, and you've all probably heard it before, eternity. Where will you and I spend eternity? If you know Christ, I think you know the answer, right? You'll spend it with him for all eternity. And that's, that, that's, that's secure if you have trusted in him. And I'm going to get into more detail with that. How will you die? I've thought about that. How will I die? I don't like to think about it, actually. I like to think I'll go quick. Marie and I have talked about, wouldn't it be nice if we just woke up in heaven, went to bed together, and we you know, been married 40 years, and if we just died together, that would be great. But I don't know. I don't know what, what the Lord's got in store, but I'm sure we're all thought about it. How are we going to die and where are we going to go? Where am I going to spend eternity? I remember we, uh, we, we ministered in Panama and Central America for eight years, part of a, a church plant there amongst an indigenous group of people. And um, yeah, living there in community, learning the language and the culture, and uh, visitors always, like there was no visiting hours there, like 24-7. If your boat is in the, in parked next to your house, you're home. So people come and go, and the church was young, and uh, some new believers, uh, people were coming to the meetings and hearing the word of God for the first time. And uh, we saw God doing a work in that little community of Tiger Island. And one of the guys there who I became pretty good friends with, uh, Upti, we call him, 
And uh, he, he was sort of, wasn't sure whether he was a believer or not, just struggling. But he, had, he, he came and he's, he had this vivid dream of, um, of fire and he, all his family members were walking around in the fire and, and being burnt and suffering. And he was the only one just walking around, okay. And I'm not a Joseph. So he's asking me, what does this mean? And I said, well, Upti, God is, God is um, possibly speaking to you through his word. You've heard the truth. What are you going to do with the truth? If, you're, if, that's, if that's something that you're seeing that your family is lost and going to a Christless eternity, you, you've had the truth, you know the truth, what are you going to do with it? And uh, yeah, the story could go on, but I don't have time for that. But uh, some of the family members did come to know the Lord and some didn't. And then, yeah, up the minio is another story. But yeah, so God is not wanting people to go to a Christless eternity. He's provided a way of salvation. And even for these religious leaders that are denying it, he's even provided salvation for them through the Messiah, Jesus. Eternity is an individual decision that you and I have to make before a holy God, isn't it? We've got to make that decision. I can't do that. Your friend, your wife, nobody can make that for you. You have to make that decision before God. Okay, so the apostles, for preaching about the Messiah in the temple court, being obedient to God, are once again arrested. They're thrown into jail uh, by the frustrated and angry Sadducees and their council. And these guys, their hands are up in the air. They don't know what to do with these apostles that are faithfully preaching the word of God, preaching about Jesus. They're trying to work out what to do with them. They're looking to buy time and they're just blind. But all in the meantime, God has got a plan. God has got a plan and that plan is that people will hear and understand the good news, the good news. He really wants even these religious leaders to understand the truth of the gospel. And like I mentioned earlier, in, when we get to Acts 6, uh, verse 7 says, and a great many of their priests were obedient to the faith. So we read that in context. It seems that some of these religious leaders did hear, did understand the gospel. And then even when we get into Acts 17, when Paul is in, in Greece and, and preaching at the, um, I can never say that word, but in the Colosseum area, but he's preaching to all these philosophers and not all of them became believers, but some of them did. God is not willing that anybody should perish. And sometimes we think that this person is never going to come to know the Lord. This person is never going to hear and understand because they're just so hard. But God is a God of the impossible. I'm sure we all know stories and heard of people who think, wow, they got saved? How did that happen? They were so hard-hearted. But God can do it. Nothing is impossible with God. So verse 19 and 20, the narrative tells us that while these guys are in jail, while the apostles are there, an angel appears to them and gives them a message from the Lord. And so I try to put myself in the shoes of the apostles being in prison and then an angel shows up. Like, I'm sure they were pretty like, oh, what's going on here? Just like, yeah, I would have been like, 
dumbfounded, mesmerized. But the message is short and it's precise, it's specific. And it says, if I can find my words here. Yep, here it is. It's specific. It's not long. It's not complicated. Go stand and speak to the people the words of life. Go stand in the temple court there and speak all the words of life. Words of life. What are the words of life? Well, it's this radical new life in Jesus with the Holy Spirit now living in and working through those that have believed in Jesus as the Son of God, the Messiah, the promised one of God, right back in Genesis 3. And what do these words of life, what do these words of life do? It changes, it transforms a person, leaving them with a testimony. It's a testimony of how God, through his Spirit, has helped the spiritually blind to see, to see that Jesus and his word are pure, that they are true, that they are holy. These words open up the eyes of the spiritually blind to their sin problem, to their rebellion, to their brokenness, to their broken relationship with God. It helps them to see that it needs to be restored. Yes, there's lust or religion, there's sin, there's rebellion, hatred, greed, lying, cheating. There's all that, that there and that needs to be dealt with. But Jesus is ready to heal. Jesus is ready to heal the broken hearted. Jesus is ready to heal the blind and they need to see. And this was the action of Jesus. This has been the action, the, the, like the physical thing as we go through the book of Acts. Yes, it's been spoken, but it's been proven over and over again by performing these miracles, healings, and all because the Holy Spirit has come upon them. Jesus also offers forgiveness. The forgiveness of sin. How do you live in guilt? How do we live in guilt with no escape? Who do we turn to? Yes, we can go here, there and everywhere and look for help, but that sin, that guilt is always there. But Jesus just takes it away. He takes away the guilt, the shame, and you can move on. You really can move on. It's great news. There is complete forgiveness of sin and there is eternal life with God the Father, his Son, forever and ever. Amen. And like it's been repeated in Acts, uh, the apostles, as they get up and preach, they give the invitation, if you want to say. They say, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So these words, these words are the words of life. In fact, Jesus is the word. John 1.1, 1, 1. I think most of us might know it by, by memory. But in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. So the words of life, it's Jesus himself. And for those of us that have said these words, but not just said them as words, because we can all say words, but know them to be true to believe that Jesus Christ is the only Son of God, the Saviour 
of all mankind. The Bible says if we have believed that in our heart, we are now his child. We now belong to him. Nothing can separate us. Romans uh, 8, in the last uh, verses there, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Uh, John uh, 14, 6 says, or Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father except through me, through Jesus. And there's a, an old hymn that I, I thought of um, as, I, as I was just preparing this. It's called Words of Life. Okay, let's go. <laughs> Great, yeah, thank you. If I had to start singing, I, everybody would leave. But, uh, so sing them over again to me, wonderful words of life. Let me more of thy beauty see, wonderful words of life. Words of life and beauty, teach me faith and duty. Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. The second verse, Christ the blessed one gives to all words of life, wonderful words of life. Sinner, listen to the loving call, wonderful words of life. Also freely given, wooing us to heaven. Third verse, sweetly echo the gospel call, wonderful words of life. Offer pardon and peace to all, wonderful words of life. Jesus only saviour, sanctify forever. Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Folks, Jesus is the word. He is life. Verse 21 in our, in our portion of scripture Going back to the, the jail scene, the apostles are now in jail. They are, um, that, sorry, they're out of jail. They obey the angel of the Lord. And at first light, they go back where? Back to the temple. They've just been beaten. They've been put in jail. They're being reprimanded. But they obey the Spirit of God. They obey what God has asked them to do. And, um, and they go back, so they, go, they start teaching again. And all the while, the high priests, the religious leaders, had no idea what was going on. They thought they're still in the clinker, but they weren't. So the officers come back and report to the, to the, um, the priests and the high council. And they say, hey, uh, excuse me, uh, the prisoner that we locked up, the guards are outside, the door's still shut, but you know what? They're not there. They're not inside the jail anymore. In fact, they're back on the temple court preaching again, teaching like we told them not to do. Obedience, that's the word that comes to my mind. They were obedient. And as I contemplate the actions, it's just such a, such a challenge like they didn't, uh, maybe we shouldn't because we might get back, go back to jail again. But they just, in obedience, in simple faith, obedience, knowing the consequences, they've gone back out there and they're just preaching the word again. Knowing, and as we know from history, they all lost their lives for preaching the truth. So they're out there again, teaching and preaching the word of God. The Spirit of God is directing them. The Spirit of God is directing them into all truth and guiding them. And the whole purpose 
the whole purpose of them preaching and teaching and getting thrown into jail, getting the beatings, whatever, is that people will hear the good news, that people will hear about Jesus the Messiah and him alone and the free gift and the free gift that he offers. Uh, Ephesians talks about grace. It talks about a free gift. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It's what a gift of God. Nothing that we have done, nothing that we can boast of. So what's the outcome? The apostles, they preach the word of life in the temple court until they are stopped once again. Obedience. It's such a key theme that runs right from Genesis all the way through the scriptures to the book of Revelation. Obedience. There's, a, there's another song that comes to my mind that we used to sing. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. Yeah, I won't start singing it again, but it's, it's obedience. That's what God requires of us. If we belong to him, he's saying obey. Obedience is the very best way. And we saw that. The examples in the early church, the example of the believers today in the persecuted church, all over this world, people here, we're obedient to the word of God. We're doing what God desires us to do. Sharing the message of Christ, the gospel, to those that have never heard. It's not just the responsibility of a select few people. 2 Corinthians 5, 14-21. The Apostle Paul talking to the church at Corinth. And I won't read all this through because of time, but... He's encouraging the church that we are now what ministers. The gospel of reconciliation has been committed to us as believers. So we have the responsibility to share this message of reconciliation, the message of the Messiah, Jesus, and what he has done. And it goes on to say that we are what? Ambassadors. We are representatives of Christ here on earth, wherever we go. We are his representatives. To see people reconciled to him, we are his instruments. We are his mouthpiece to share the gospel. So then do we obey God rather than man? This is what the apostles had to face. We get in those positions sometimes. Do we obey man or do we obey God? We all get into that. Are we people? Like we've talked about, are we people that desire to see the world upside down? Do we have that reputation wherever we are? So what is the cost for you and I? The question again, what is the cost for you and I to go to the ends of the earth? If Newcastle is the ends of the earth, let's do it. If it's somewhere else, let's do it. But what stops us? Obedience, yes, that's what God wants us to do. And I think we'll all agree it's a no-brainer. That's what God desires us to do. But what stops us? What stops us? Is it our stuff? Is it our career? Is it fear? Is it wondering whether we're going to say the right thing or not? I struggle with that one. Um, yeah, am I going to say the right thing? Do I have time? Uh, sometimes is it I just can't be bothered? Um, I feel ashamed. 
So there's so many different, you can add to the list what stops you and I from sharing the gospel with other people. Obedience. God desires for us to be obedient to him, to strive, to work for him. Okay, so jumping now um, to Gamaliel. Wow, God used this man. A religious leader, God is using him. So in Acts 5.34, it says that um, then one of the council stood up and the Pharisee named Gamaliel, teacher of the law, held in respect by all people, remember that word, all people, and commanded them to put the apostles outside for a little while. So Gamaliel was a first century Jewish rabbi, a leader of the Jewish Sanhedrin. And he's mentioned a couple of times in scriptures here in, in the book of Acts. He's well known and he's a respected teacher. Gamaliel seemed to have, when you look at church history, he seemed to have a profound effect on the early church. God used him, whether he knew it or not, to see the church grow. So he was a Pharisee, the grandson of uh, Rabbi Hillel. And um, yeah, I won't bother reading the rest of that. But he's mentioned again, as I, uh, as I said earlier in Acts 5.34, he's uh, meeting with the Sanhedrin. John, Peter and the other apostles are there under trial after having been warned uh, to cease preaching and going to the temple. Gamaliel then gets up. Because Peter said, what did Peter say? We must obey God rather than man. We must obey God rather than man in 5.29. So then God uses Gamaliel, who puts the aid, let's just put a stop to this, send the apostles outside, let's have a talk here. So he gives his argument and they all agree. They say, yep, let's, let's just leave them alone. Because if it's not of God, I just, I'm just going to read it because they're just very wise words in the present case i advise you he says leave these men alone let them go for if their purpose or activity is of human origin it will fail but if it's from god you will not be able to stop them and it kept going didn't it it went like a wildfire as we read and we will get into the the missionary journeys in the scripture of how the the word of god went out went out to the known world and we saw people being saved Jews, Gentiles, people from um, many different language groups so the, the Sanhedrin council listened to them and uh, they were set free again so they all packed up and went home right? no they went back out preaching teaching to every household back to the temple preaching and teaching being obedient to God knowing the consequences. And just as a bit of a side note here, he's mentioned again the Apostle Paul. I just wonder if he was there at that meeting. There are some speculation that he was because Gamaliel was one of, was one of Paul, Saul's teachers who he sat under. And we know the Apostle Paul was such a, in his non-Christian days, such a zealous guy. And he's just... Like we'll read his story, like just persecuting the church until God got a hold of him and said, you know what, it's me you're persecuting. And then there was a complete turnaround and he was so zealous for the gospel and became part of the believing community. 
It's a bit like the, uh, some of the Somali Christians. Uh, they've come out of Al-Shabaab, out of Jihad, and uh, they become believers. There are Somali jihadists coming to know Christ. But you know what happens? They take that zealousness and they go back to their, their commanders, their former commanders, and then share the gospel with them. But then that's it. They, they go to be with the Lord straight away. But the zealousness, the obedience that these guys are showing. And then the last part here, there's a warning. There's a warning about um, Kate. I like the way you said that guy's name, the Theodos. And Judas of Galilee. So it's warning us, be care of false teachers. Be careful of those that come into the household of God, as it talks about in 2 Timothy 3, 1 and 9. Today, Wikipedia, not that you can really trust them too much, but there's over 4,200 religious groups, pardon me, that, <clears throat> that, are, that are out there. Hey, Dave, there's a glass of water behind you. I'm just getting to the punchline too. Thanks, mate. <clears throat> yeah, over 4,200 religious groups, churches, denominations, religious bodies, faith groups, indigenous groups with their, with their beliefs. But that's, you know, that's growing. There's so many groups out there at the moment and they're there to lure people away from the truth of God's word, from the foundational truth of his word. So we're warned to be careful. We're warned to adhere to, if I can say, God's word. If a, if, if a religion or a movement is, is man-focused, man-centered, stay away. But if it's Bible-based, word-based, the words of life-based, go for it. But do your homework. Investigate. See what the scriptures say. But I've just noticed over the years, if it's man-focused, man-centered, it will fail. It will fade away. Or maybe it will spring off and, and there'll be another arm to it. But be careful. But in the end days that the Bible says, perilous times will come. People will be lovers of themselves, proud boasters. And in that will come other religions, other groups. So be careful. Check out Calvary Chapel, Newcastle. If we're not sticking to the word of God, let us know. Let us know. Always, always check things out through the word of God. Go back to the word. Don't go back to the preacher or the man, or go back to them if they're in error, please. But go back to the word of God. Be careful. Be careful out there. So, in finishing off here, it's, um, the disciples then, they're released. And it says in verse 41, So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus, for his name. And daily they went to the temple and every house 
They did not cease, listen to that, they did not cease from teaching and preaching about Jesus Christ. They kept going. The cost, the cost of getting the gospel to the ends of the earth. So the, I'm going to leave you with a question. So what will be the cost of going to the ends of the earth look like for you and I? What will the cost of getting the gospel out look like for you and I? How will it get to the ends of the earth? How will God use you and I? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is true and pure and holy. Thank you that you have left your word for us. You've contained it in such a way that we can learn and understand and be guided by your spirit, just as the believers were in the early church. You guide us into truth. So I pray, Father, that you would help us to be sharp, to help us to be alert, to help us to um, be obedient to the truth that you've shown us. And Lord, help us to be willing to count the cost, whatever that looks like, however you would lead us as a church, as individuals, of counting the cost for you. Thank you, Father. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his sacrifice on the cross on our behalf. Thank you for life. Thank you for eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the teaching podcast of Calvary Chapel, Newcastle. If you'd like to check out more of our teachings, please visit ccn.org.au forward slash teachings.